This is Greg McLaughlin from the Rebel Base Card Podcast, and you're listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Ian Taylor, and welcome to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, brought to you by the Marvel Cards Fan Collective an awesome community of card collectors and creators. You can find our groups on Facebook, details of which are at the end of this podcast. With me this week is my co-pilot in all things Marvel cards, the dark side to my... Oh, I've muffed it already. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to carry on. We'll keep this in. Let's do he's, it. He's the dark side to my light side and a true nerf herder. It's Norin Rad. And also... With us is a very special guest. He's a rebel with a cause. It's Greg McLaughlin from the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Hello, everyone. Hey. <laughs> so, uh, welcome everybody. Well, this is this is um this is our crossover episode um, with a podcast that we've talked about before, and we are we are mad fans of um, the um, is it the Rebel Base Card or is it Rebel Base Card? What's your I think that kind of has gone back to the beginning, but I would say the Rebel Base Card podcast is probably the the one people would find if they went looking for it. Good, good. Well, we'll certainly be pimping it on the tasting notes and and everything else. And Norin is back with us. Do you have a roof on your house, sir? I do. My roof is still intact. Good. Um, you know, I ran out with my cards, good. so <laughs> the the you know, priorities were very much in check. Yeah. I need to ask because I need to make sure we're not going to be interrupted by anyone falling not through your ceiling. Not at all. No. Not at no. all. If, if okay. not, we would have been in my car and I would have been in a private conversation <laughs> overlooking okay. a lake in a yeah. serene moment. So, yeah, yeah. With, with, with steamed up windows. That's, not a, tool, windows. So that's not a tall suspect. That's the way anyway, anyway <laughs> Greg, we've already lowered the tone. Uh, welcome, sir. <laughs> Thank um, you. The, um, the, I, we kind of, we've been talking about this for a few weeks. Haven't we? Just uh, yes. the idea of um, connecting and and maybe kind of uh, uh, bringing our two um, stars more in orbit with each other because we we both talk about the same hobby but from different kind of um, uh, collecting kind of brands and you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for properties I guess is the best thing. So right. um, tell us just tell us how you I know I know you've touched on this on your own podcast um um especially episode one I, I remember hearing that but just give it give us the kind of the york notes version of um what you know how how why when where did where did greg start doing the rebel base card podcast uh this is a podcast that that kind of came about from the instagram channel that i started back in late january of this year um i really got back into collecting uh, trading cards, uh, Star Wars cards specifically, back right around before the, the Force Awakens in 2015. And I've been kind of wanting to blog about them for a while. And it's one of those where I had actually done about, if I go back 10 years now, I used to do a technology blog. Uh, and I did that for two years between like, you know, Tumblr and Blogger, if there is still Blogger out there. Um, but there was a there was a vocation change uh, if you can't see my shirt, um, that I ended up working for a certain fruit company. So uh, blogging about technology kind of had to stop. Um, but uh, <laughs> so a few years ago when I got back into cards, you know, I, I thought I was wanting to kind of talk about them because it was something where, you know, I was very passionate about it. And I, I, I thought like, hey, I've got I've got the technology. I've got the, the sites I can get up. I actually had a URL for about two years. 
started to throw some stuff up. But I think as you guys find, it's very hard to find that dedicated time to writing. And I'd, I'd been on Instagram for a very long time. I have a couple other channels that I use. And Instagramming about cards just became very easy because you could just throw something up and boom, you're done. And you could connect to a community really fast. And it didn't take me that long to find a really great community of folks. And it just kind of blew from there. And you know, because I'd had a media background uh, in a, a former career ago, I kind of said, well, I think this is my end to try to start one. And I think as you guys have found with Anchor, Anchor kind of comes around at about the right time where it provided you with pretty much all the nuts and bolts. You don't yeah. have to do anything, now, which, is, which can be good and bad. And we can kind of get into that a little later. But, you know, for lack of a better term, if you want to hit the ground running, you can. And I think as I kind of discovered with the Marvel Card Collectors podcast, a lot of the people that we tend to follow are in the same circles. They do sketch cards for both, you know, tops as well as Upper Deck or Rittenhouse or some of these other ones. So, you know, as as we kind of come along and, and you start to expand your universe a bit into the community, that's where I kind of discovered you folks. And uh, I think you guys come at it from a very interesting standpoint, but just another medium in the Facebook group. So that, yeah. that's kind of like where I, I kind of come in and... You know, I, I think it's just like yourselves. Now, I think what you guys had the advantage of is in your audience, you already had sketch card artists in your audience, which I kind of did. But I think there was a natural discussion that you guys had already kind of just, it, it sounds like you just elevated from the, the, the Facebook group to the podcast, which it seems very. Yeah, it, it, it certainly, yeah, it felt like the next logical thing for us to do, really um with the um the facebook group is great but it's um it you know not everyone's on facebook the more yeah that's more the I'm, biggest issue the more yeah. more i'm diving into the uh the collectors who are on the um upper deck epac platform and i know tops have their own thing going on which i'm hoping you'll tell us a bit more about um a little later on um the more i talk to to the cats on there uh, the, the more of them say oh, i don't have a profile but I'm, I, you know, I tend, I tend not to do Facebook, and I'm, I'm finding that with a lot of the really, really big collectors um, on EPAX as well. They just, they just don't have that. But, but certainly from, from where we've, we've come from, a lot of the guys in the group, we know really, really dig it, and, and we're already seeing, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping you'll have stories like this as well. We're already seeing people who are reaching out to us and saying, I've just gotten back into Marvel cards because I heard your podcast we've had we've yeah. had at least two of those in the past month um so are you, are you finding that you're 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 finding an audience who are who are who were still in the star wars realm but maybe hadn't looked at the trading cards or maybe getting back into it as a result uh, that's, of yeah that's what i am finding that a lot of folks you know come in especially if they're you know around my age which i'm you know 49 uh, they collected the cards when the movies came out and then they sit in a box for a long time, like mine did. And I think that they are, you know, like with the movies and there's so much more, there's so much more revolving around it, so many more properties and things like that, that they're kind of getting back in. They're already using social media. And, and like me, I found, I found the Facebook groups for the cards. Uh, I found a very passionate uh, couple of groups that are into Star Wars cards, but you know, then they start seeing it and they're like, well, I'd like to go back in. And I think that really started to prompt an episode I did where I just did on, you know, let's collecting 101. Let's, you know, let's get back in. Um, because I think in any era, I don't care whether you're 
doing it now, whether you're back in the, the late 80s, early 90s, 70s, and so forth, you can really, you know, get dive whole hauled it, whole, you know, whole hog in and then just blow a lot of money, then realize what did I just do? Yeah. Uh, that's that's the danger of it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And that's what actually what we did with our one on one too, funny enough, uh, coincidentally. We we you know, it's funny when people go into certain cards and stuff, I think a lot of times people are really surprised where the one of ones are and where the printing plates are and kind of like the bigger ticket items. And I think people get frustrated very quickly when they can't find them. So like the 101 was us trying to be like, you're coming into a hobby where everyone already knows each other. You're coming into a hobby where everyone kind of understands where things are and where they might not be. So, you know, especially when it comes to like sketch cards and commissioning sketch cards. Mm -hmm. So that was another thing we had to talk about as well, um, which was really helpful for new collectors, I think. At least the the feedback we've been getting is kind of like, thank you. Because Marvel, I don't know if it does for Star Wars, um, but Marvel, the new premium sets have tier systems and that seems to be the thing that's always really confusing to collectors who are entering the hobby they're like so what's tier one tier two tier three three four and there's a whole number system there that new collectors have to kind of be prepared for when they start diving in and wanting to collect like full sets i've seen that in the digital apps where it started with the marvel the marvel collect and then it's gone into the star wars card trader where you have the base cards that are split up into into tiers, and I know with the Disney Collect one, they're going to do that. Um, in the in the physical realm, you still find, you know, you'll have base cards, and then you'll have there'll be a base set of let's say one to hundred, and then you'll have different insert sets. Um, and with the current one that's out at this point, this journey to the rise of Skywalker, it's more of a it is more of an in um, set. You will have different colored parallels of the base sets that'll have different odds. I mean, this is probably universal. That sounds, that sounds about even uh, with what we're seeing on the Marvel cards. I think the, the biggest difference I've seen is that you, you referenced the uh, card, was it card trader? Mm-hmm. The top's platform. Now, so from my understanding of that, because they have a Marvel license as well, but those are digital only cards. Correct. Uh, now the, I guess the difference, I guess the main difference is, is that, You've either got the digital only cards and then tops do the sales of the physical cards that they do. They might do in small numbers and small batches and only available through the tops website for a certain window of time, like the Rise of Skywalker trailer set that I've heard you talking about. So but with with the upper deck system, those digital cards exist as a stepping stone upwards to then combine to get a physical card. So. They they exist as a kind of a, a stepping stone. They're not a, a separate ecosystem, if you like. They're within the same e- ecosystem as the um, as the physical cards are. So that that strikes strikes me as the main difference between what Tops and um, an Upper Deck do. But I've noticed that Tops do have some Marvel cards on there. But I'm guessing that, in my knowledge of how these licensing thing works, they'll have a license just to do that for digital cards. It seems to me, yeah, it seems to me that Marvel only has the the digital rights where Upper Deck must have the physical ones. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And and that, I think, makes it, you know, like what you'll see in the in the Star Wars card trader app is they will from time to time bring in the uh, digital copies of the physical set. Um, You'll see the Skywalker saga happening right now. You'll see some from other sets, not all of them. And certainly not every one. Um, A friend of mine who is uh, playing along with me 
as sort of a, a secondary account, as it were, um, is finding, you know, like for the Skywalker saga, which is also a current release, you know, they, he was finding a bunch of the purple variants for this particular set, which physically, unless you're really getting into a lot of the hobby boxes and so forth, you won't see the, the, the sheer number you're getting. Also, you know, the autograph ones and so forth. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, it's nice because in the app, you're seeing a combination of the digital and the physical, whereas on the Marvel Collect, and that may be to the detriment of a bit, it's only digital. I have seen some artist, or at least these are panels of actual ones. And that's, those are some questions I know I have for you guys down the road where, you know, in the digital where it's like, well, here's a shot of, of long shot or storm or whoever. And it just could be, you know, there's not really an attribution or, um, excuse me, the word I'm looking for is there's not really telling you who the person, who the artist is. It's just a shot of this person. I'm sure it's from some comic or property. But yeah. You don't. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we do. We do see that. I mean, we do see that with um, the, the the cards generally fall in certainly on the Marvel side. They fall into a couple of categories. You've got original art cards, which tend to be the, the more premium ones where you have artists who will graft away for x number of months doing really really high-end paintings you know your fantasy artists your, your sci-fi illustrators uh people like joe Jusco, bianchi um tom fleming people like that then you have your movie-based cards which are li- literally lifting stills and designs or you know they may mess around with a photograph just to make it look a little bit more like a painting right which is what star wars yeah, and yeah. that's Star Wars and Marvel share that. Yeah, the the exactly. kind of photo, the MCU, that yeah. kind of branching out, yeah. And then you have like the the um the ones where they're lifted from comics. So there there are that has existed either in comics or in a, a different medium, uh, but it's not created specifically for that trading card. Um and those are the ones I tend to find don't have the attribution um as much. Um I mean, Marvel Masterpieces 2007 certainly um, had the attribution on that. But Marvel Annual, for example, which is a current set that, that a lot of people are chasing because Upper Deck have managed to gamify it with their Pack Wars thing. Um, that is art that's reused from comic books. And I don't believe that you can always tell, because um, I don't have any of them physically in hand yet. I physically own them, but they're sat in a warehouse somewhere in America. <laughs> waiting for me to pay my 25 cents a card to have them shipped to um, <laughs> uh, to Norin here probably so yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah you don't have that attribution but the ones that the interesting thing about the Marvel annual set specifically is that you find that some of the cards really really work and some of them really really don't and that's generally could very well be subjective because I've got other collectors who collect Marvel and you who, who really go mad for a certain card. It might not be a character they're after, but they just dig that particular artwork and the way it's been chosen and the way it's been framed. Um, so with Marvel and you, I found myself going after characters that I don't normally collect because they've chosen some really nice artwork that just really works in the format of the trading card and with the design of the border and the design of the background. So, um, which I actually quite like. I, I, it's quite surprising to me that I've 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 gone in and, and chased stuff that I wouldn't normally do. Speaking mm. of chasing stuff I wouldn't normally do, Greg, you are responsible for my first ever purchase from the Tops website, sir. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's quite well, all right. I hope they've got you on commission. Um, and, well, and here's Norris, the funny part. It arrived, yeah. It arrived, yeah. 
So it arrived, and they're gorgeous, right? They come in that plastic case, the trailer set cards. Have you got so them handy? I just got them. Yeah, they're, yes. they're in my closet. Yes. They just... Cause I, so I figured we, yeah. we could have a, kind of a live opening of these yeah. of these cards. You, you, you go over there, and I'll just talk to Greg while you go over there to your closet you got it. of dreams. Um, which, Greg, if you don't know, whenever I, because I'm in the UK, whenever I order something um, from America that either won't ship outside of America or would just cost a lot of money for just one card Norrin here has a closet of dreams as i call it where all <laughs> of my cards go into a box and uh you've just actually posted me a, a massive parcel haven't you oh yeah a good one oh, wow. yeah. yeah well packed like i mean cards he's been getting for what the last six months oh easily nine months he's in nine months so yeah. it's just been like it's just it's like I'm basically a second warehouse for Upper Deck, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. Just as, that's just how cool I am. That's all. Yeah. That does uh, that does answer a, a couple of questions um, on how Ian you were collecting some of these or how you could even go about. I think if you have um, now I see now I see the movie uh, The Mule in the back of my head, uh, <laughs> but but it is something to where yeah I mean you know I think you'll see with the groups where people like you know send stuff back and forth i know there was a, a fella in a facebook group that went to germany and brought back some of the star wars lego cards they weren't from tops oh cool uh, but you could only get them there and they they were in german print and they were uh, amazing and uh he was able to bring back a bunch and he kind of prearranged for you know some of us to like buy them from him and i'm like <sighs> once he got back to the states he mailed i'm like yeah and uh it, it would be the same that's the uh and and some of the questions i'll have as far as like sets that are available in the UK, as far as the US, you know, how does a collector go about, um, you know, like getting them? Because it's like you hate to be only limited by geography. And especially if you have all these reaches now, it's like you got to take advantage of it. Yeah. You, and that's yeah. kind of the yeah. genius of uh, Ian here. Um, that's actually what happened. So I, I hate to take the story from Ian, but, you know, Ian, Ian's the one who's really facilitated that for a lot of collectors. Like it's it's because of the Facebook group that Ian started and kind of not shutting out international sellers and buyers, you know, because on eBay, everyone's really wary about shipping internationally. I don't know why, but there there is that taboo of shipping internationally and all this kind of stuff. Um, and Ian kind of set up this amazing group where we kind of just are making really big connections like ian we have friends from everywhere right brother we do we do yeah i mean that's why it's called marvel car collectors worldwide because i was in some of the uh, the more uh, legacy uh, marvel car groups on facebook um it's probably the best way to phrase it and <laughs> i'd often find that sellers on there would say um uh, continental us only or, or or stuff and it used to absolutely infuriate me because i'd see people who would be perfectly willing to pay good money and perfectly willing to pay the shipping and fully aware of what it entails and um i, I just thought it's such a yeah i get that you don't want to have issues and you don't want the, the parcel to go missing but packages go missing even in your own state you know they don't you know it's it's the same uh, risk i guess um so i was um I was very sort of mindful of that, and I thought, you know what, let's just start something that where if you if you want to post and show off cards, that's fine, and obviously you can do whatever you um uh, whatever you want to there. But if you um if you want to sell something, you have to be willing to do it cross border, and it's it's really opened it up for us. I mean, the podcast I was looking at the stats through Anchor, and 
I don't know how, how you manage this, Greg, but but Anchor's a great distribution platform and that it puts the podcast out to to Google, to iTunes or Apple Podcasters, whatever it is now. Um, Spotify is obviously own, owns Anchor now. You know, they own them. Um, right. And it puts it out to all these places. But when I log in, it, I, the one thing I the one frustration I have with Anchor is that it doesn't pull the stats in from all the other platforms. So you yep. only you only really see what 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 goes out through Anchor and I think Spotify. Is that is that your experience? It is. I think that also once Spotify had bought Anchor, I think it's you know it, initially when you're creating one and it's starting to send out, it'll say like, hey, we want to support these platforms. And they'll, they'll shoot out feeds. And as you as you kind of noticed, you know, iTunes was probably one of the last ones that hit. You know, Spotify picks it up and so forth. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting is that uh, TuneIn and the, which I think is in conjunction with Amazon or the Amazon one, uh, has not come to fruition. So yes, the, I'm on like and eight, Stitcher as well. Stitcher, yeah. And so there are ones that either it was a non-starter for them or they're going to compete with. I can't speak for Anchor. But that's where it kind of has stopped. And so, uh, you know, on the one hand, if you look at the anchor stats and you go, OK, the dominant listening group is iTunes. Uh, actually, Google Podcast is, is really not down there that that much. And um, but, yeah, y- y- the major platforms are there. But I, I think it maybe has stalled, at least for right now, on some of yeah. some of the outerlying ones that it'd be nice to pick up. Whereas, like, if you're on, say, a Libsyn or one of the other major podcast hosts, you know, you have a little more control over that and you will see the breakdowns. Um, yeah. I, I am actually kind of interesting, interested that I, I do get about eight or 9% of my audience um, out of the UK, uh, which I thought was pretty strong. But wow. I also figure some of that is probably because the sketch artists that I talk to, since they're US based, may be of interest to collectors in the UK. Um, potentially, and so potentially, yeah. and and so just like what you've talked about in some of your episodes where there's not a ton of cons there so there's obviously more in the u.s that you know all these artists from anywhere from you know left coast or right coast are attending to and so there's just more there's more here to have access to and so that yeah. may be where some of that audience is coming from i can't believe yeah. that interesting I think so. No, I mean, it's uh, the, the interesting thing for me. I'm just pulled it up, actually. So 74 percent of the podcast audience, at least via Anchor, are U.S. Um, so that's 26 percent elsewhere, 14 um, percent mm. U.K. And it's not all me and my family and friends. It's six uh, percent <laughs> Canada, fair chunk Australia, Indonesia, Netherlands, mm. uh, strangely, Japan's Philippines or well, Netherlands. Yeah. So, you know, there's some there's some good spread of countries there. I mean, it goes once you go below one percent, it gets exponentially bigger. But um, but it, it is really interesting. And I guess for me, it speaks to the fact that whilst there are trading cards released in uh, uh, my own territory for Marvel, it's someone else has the license and they're printed and made in the UK and they tend to be a different quality and in some cases a lower quality than the ones that are produced under the official license in the US, whoever may happen to hold that and obviously Upper Deck hold it at the moment. So um, I, for me, and I think I spoke about this on, on, on our first episode where I did the origin story, for me that Marvel comics and trading cards are Americana. So for me, it's important that I they own that I own the American cards. It, if it's a certain character, I might want to own a card that was made in Mexico or Italy or UK for that character. 
<coughs> black cat. <coughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but um, um, but otherwise, I'm, I'm more than comfortable just to you know just to stick to the to the US side of things. And that's the interesting thing about the the Star Wars because with um, uh, um, the tops set that you were talking about, which is the uh, Rise of Skywalker second trailer set, so cards 11 to 20. Um, I sp- I got those and I got them from the US site and I had them shipped to uh, my boy here along with the poster nice. card, the single card. So those are my first foray into Star Wars cards. Um, but I can get the Journey to the... Is it Journey to the Rise of Skywalker? Yes. Okay. That set is available in the UK, but it's made and manufactured in Europe. And I don't know if it's the same set exactly. Um, I have seen a little bit of it. I know that they were, uh, I think I saw something either on Facebook or Instagram where some of the ways to collect were slightly different. Mm. Uh, I know, you know, and, uh, which kind of interests me because also I know that sometimes when you're talking about international releases, the number of cards, um, uh, sometimes change or the, the presentation of, I know that there's been cards that, you know, that came in a tin or came in a binder or, you know, came in a you know, a presentation of magazine or something that is just a little different. And, you know, for a collector like me, you go, you know, I, I think that's the same thing when I discovered the, the OPG cards in Canada for Star Wars, when in some cases back in the day, they were, um, there was a set that was missing. There was two sets that were combined to make one and they were renumbered. And then, it, mm. then as a collector, you go, well, that's a no, that's a new set. I'm, I'm down. Like the, all I need really is, is a very thin excuse to go collect something else. <laughs> there's a slight variation, but you have something in that because it was printed in Canada, the card stock's different. And so it's a lighter card stock. Um, there was more vibrant color. So on the back, it's really nice. And of course it's bilingual. Uh, so it's one of those oh, where hearing that there is a, you know, an English version of the journey to the rise of Skywalker piques my interest because like, all right, now I want to see it and see what are the differences. Uh, and so that, like I said, all you, it really doesn't take much for anybody to start collecting <laughs> something that isn't nailed down. Yeah. Well, yeah. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll more than happily hook you up. Um, they do these, um, they do these binders and they're not binders in the way that I think Noreen will probably think they are very much um, like a plastic kind of portfolio thing with pages. Uh, it's not even a rigid binder. And so you can hmm. buy a pack which has um, a certain number of um, unopened packs of the trading cards in. And it has a card that you can only get if you buy that pack. So it's called a starter pack. Yep. And they sell them in supermarkets in New Day. I saw one a couple of hours ago when I was doing grocery shopping. Um, and I'm tempted. I'm very tempted <laughs> because it's there. But at the same time, I know I'll always be like, well, what I really want is the US, US printed and issued rise of journey to the rise of sky how in terms of the longest <laughs> card set title is that the longest card journey to the rise of skywalker is that is that what it's called yeah the uh, the journey twos they've done for well the disney the disney era films these are the sets that pre you know that, that come before the actual movie card release and they'll usually have a theme that you know, it leads up to the movie as far as like either trying to set the stage for or give you some background of. And at least with um, Rogue One looked a little different, but these had the hook was is that they had the 
original blue Starfield from the 77 sets. And then they had different variant colors of. And yeah. so, and on the back, so, and the card stock was more that they call it heritage stock. Um, oh, interestingly enough. <laughs> yeah. And then some of the, and then some of the insert sets took their template from the Empire Strikes Back, the silver border, and some of the other ones, the yellow ones. And then Rogue One had a mission briefing. It didn't have a journey to it. It had mission briefing, but mm. it had the the uh, the Return of the Jedi template from '83. Oh, oh. And so, so cool. And their so, retail and hobby boxes, so that you know you will you will find they will find them in your Targets and your WalMarts, and you know and there'll be different configurations of the inserts based on like there are actually um, Target specific inserts that you only find there i think walmart has an insert set this time around but before even walgreens had a insert set in the journey to the force awakens uh oh series and so it is yeah that's madness i can only imagine trying to collect all that <laughs> yeah but this is where i think upper deck are missing out because marvel cards used to do that back in yeah back, back in the 90s day. um used to have uh, Marvel Masterpieces uh, 1994, for example, I think had a different box and packaging for whether it was in Walmart and you had different inserts that would be available, different color inserts that you could only get through Walmart or through Target or through uh, somewhere else. We, we've got none of that over here, so we, we didn't get any of that. Um, but it is very interesting that, that tops very much do seem to be feeding that physical marketplace a lot more than maybe upper deck do with them with their you know upper deck seem to be trying to move many more people onto their digital platform even though it's physical cards that you're getting on that digital platform um maybe to cut distribution and manufacturing costs i don't know i don't know what the what the reason is behind it i definitely get really jealous when i see them at target though (laughs) because i see the card section because of the card section at target like i'll walk by and be like if only there were Marvel cards here. And then there's all these Star Wars boxes that kill me. Oh, well, and, and it goes goes even further. If you're a Magic guy or a Pokemon guy or baseball or whatnot, yeah, there's there's two boxes of Star Wars cards with everything else. And I was going to ask you guys, how how many physical sets does Upper Deck release a year? Hmm. Um, well, I don't know if there's a, there's a standard format to it. Uh, this year has been... This year's this year's been pretty busy uh you had marvel flare you had marvel premiere which is a very very high-end um collectible a kind of it's akin to those um football sets where you literally get one or two cards in you know it's that kind of price point and it's um it's got maybe one base card in it you'll have a chase card and three sketches and it's 250 dollars a pop um so it's that that's a top end and then you've got the the lower end stuff marvel annual which is um literally just looking at events and characters and, and stuff that may have happened in the last 12 18 months. those are the ones that have the comic book art that we were talking about earlier yeah yeah um and then there's not really been a top end premium premium release this year um a, a, when I, I know Premiere is, but what I mean is in terms of painted artwork, because Flair I don't think is of your stature of a Flair Ultra X-Men or a Flair Ultra Spider-Man or Marvel Masterpieces. I think the base no. card art is yeah, the, there, but it's not that thick card stock. So maybe if you add in the movie sets that they put out, maybe six mm. this year. That's about right. I, I'm I agree. Pulling it off the top of my head. 
It's not a bad number. Uh, I think that's really close, actually. Yeah. Um, I think the big event for many people, even though like Flair had amazing art and there were multiple artists on that set and it was original art, not comic book art. I think those are the tiers. You know what I mean? The reuse of marketing and comic art is is not lower in like in value, but like economically, they're just lower cards in terms you can get more for your bang for your buck and all that kind of good stuff. And then Premiere uses original artwork. Flair is now using original artwork. Um, but the Masterpiece series is usually considered like a full set by one artist or, or a pair of artists. And then that's the one that's really tiered system, even though Premiere has a tier system as well. Anything with a serial number is really the kind of like golden child of the year. So if something comes out that has like real serial number deep cuts type of stuff, then that's usually drives what people, people nuts. Drives people's nuts, yeah. That's what <laughs> yeah. everybody goes for. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's the stuff that does it for everybody. <laughs> oh wow. So um so what I'm gonna do um at this point, I think at this point because I've got a few questions for Greg, but Greg, I'm sure you've got more questions for us. So um for all of our eager beaver listeners at home. We're going to wrap this episode and it will be continued as part two on the Rebel Base Card podcast. And um, I'm, I'm actually quite looking forward to that. Uh, be nice to be nice to guest on someone else's podcast. So as you listen, um, um, the dates are t- TBC as to exactly when that will drop. But uh, we'll, we'll pop that on our social feeds at the MCC pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'd like to thank Greg for doing our intro this week. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Thank you, Greg. And, um, and Greg, um, well, well, obviously, for us, it's going to be literally a couple of minutes, and we'll continue this conversation. But for everyone else, we'll see you next time. And uh, as always, Greg, this is where you get to um, hit with our outro. Enjoy collecting. I've messed it up like 15 times. It is times, enjoy right? collecting. It's impressive. It, exactly. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors podcast. You can subscribe via our home on anchor.fm forward slash MCCP. Leave us a message via that link with questions, comments, or just to say hi, and we may even play on the show. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Our podcast is at the MCC pod on Facebook and Twitter and you can find links on our Facebook page to the two groups MCCW Marvel Card Collectors Worldwide and MMC Marvel Masterpieces Collectors on Instagram find us at MM Collectors and at Sketch Card Hive the great music we use is called Rocket Power by Kevin McLeod thanks to the collectors artists and creators who support the Marvel Cards Fan Collective we'll see you next time and remember it's a small hobby but a fun one make mine Marvel and enjoy collecting Thank you.